Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Very excited to have Mike, Joel, Kathy, and Julian here with me today um, for what has proven to be a very popular topic. Um, I think this is the highest registration volume we've had for anything we've launched at DIG. So I'm um, really excited to, to have this conversation and it seems like other people are as well. Um, but I wanted to bring these people together to specifically get down to brass tacks when it comes to what does it mean for the market research industry? What does it mean for researchers specifically? Um, and you can see here, these people are incredibly knowledgeable. They've founders of, of research-based businesses. Mike leads or is the founder of Insight Platforms. He gets a chance to see sort of what's going on across the market research landscape. So I wanted us to sort of start with that. Mike, talk to us about how you're sort of seeing AI applied across the market research space. There's been a huge like explosion of interest in, in AI, but it's, you know, we've been using it a lot actually in research for like quite a few years so you know in a lot of ways it's it's kind of mature the whole chat gpt thing focused people's attention but there have been apps that have been built specifically for research tools for you know text analytics uh, image analytics for, for predictive models i think the the distinction here is the new wave of generative ai tools so it's it's actually about taking a an input prompt creating something new and there's some really interesting stuff being done with these new, you know, built on these large language models, really, around, you know, being able to summarize qualitative data. You know, this was really hard before. So you feed in transcripts of groups of interviews, you get a, a you know, a coherent, a decent summary as an output. Um, you know, conversational surveys and, you know, and sort of large scale discussions that are, that are kind of partially moderated by, by bots, that's happening. Um, you know, drafting content, so being able to create, you know, reports and things like that. So there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. We're going to see huge amounts of, um, you know, innovation over the next few months, I think. That's for sure. How are we sort of leveraging AI in that space? We actually did an innovation concept test recently with one of our clients' ideas, and they had spent a week kind of generating, going in a lot of directions, we took their ideas and then we generated, or Joel's team generated a few AI ideas. And the AI ideas actually did win in in our in our Okay, website. so they did win. Okay. Very cool. So that was that was pretty pretty exciting stuff. And the way we've come about it on the qual side is what's kind of immediately applicable today. Where we don't need to necessarily think what's what's you know five years down the road. It's what are the simple fixes. Um, or the simple augmentations that we can apply right now. Um, so this week I was talking to one of the analysts on the team, and I said, oh, how have you used ChatGPT this week? Um, and she said, well, I was writing an email, and there were a bunch of kind of components I needed to summarize, I needed to say, but I couldn't find the way to assemble my ideas in the way I needed to. I threw it into ChatGPT, and it came out beautifully. And I had a few tweaks to do, but it took what would have taken me 30 minutes of assembling, reassembling into a three minute done, you know, application. And so we are working with Joel's team and, and using it on our analysis side, we're using it to augment, we're using it to ideate kind of like how your team's using it. Um, but where I see the benefit is in those little moments 
um, that our team is using it for. One of the things I loved, Kathy, about talking to you is that your team is sort of hyper-focused on the chatbot and how that can be leveraged. And what I'm hearing you say, Julian, is like you want to focus on the here and now and, you know, what we can actually fix in the moment or what we can augment in the moment. But Kathy, I wanted to hear from you, like talk to me about why your team is focused so heavily on this sort of application of AI. Our team uh, have been very focused on conversational AI. Um, originally, the idea was uh, we really wanted to bring that engagement to surveys. We wanted uh, participants to to want to participate in surveys. We tried many, many different things. And finally, we decided that uh, it's the conversation that's the real, real thing. Other things might, some clients might feel like kind of gimmicky, but the real conversation is the real thing that people actually really, really enjoy. I think conversational AI probably is quite a self-explanatory conversation. Um, but um, in the context of market research, um, I think we actually play a quite different role. Basically, conversational AI or generative AI, it, it, right now it is being able to do more of the creative um, tasks much more than before. So conversation and in the context of market research, like Julian, what you said, for qualitative research, um, the question asking aspect is actually surprisingly very creative to ask the right question in the right moment that requires a lot. So yeah, that has been what we've been hyper-focused on. And also at the other part of it is now we have a lot of conversational data, how we're going to make good use of it, how to analyze it in a way that is sufficient. I heard someone recently on a podcast say, it doesn't have to get you like a hundred percent of the way. Like if it can get you, at least from a marketing perspective, if it can get you like 90% of the way or 80% of the way, like I know for us, we're using it for SEO articles. So we're working with a, a company called Jasper um, that has an awesome product that essentially helps us really quickly create content, but the content's not finished. It's just coming up with sort of those paragraph blocks. So I think, um, yeah, across marketing and research, it's great to sort of lean on it from that perspective to get you, say, 80, 90% of the way there. I did want to touch on, you said, you know, it's shocking how challenging it is to develop those creed or develop questions or ask questions in the right way. Um, so do you feel like with the work you've done on generative AI for the chatbot experience that we've gotten to a place now where the chatbot can ask questions in the right way. Like where are we at? I guess it, um, as someone who's kind of naive to AI, like where are we at in that, in that space? Do you feel like you could use a chatbot to ask the right questions in the right context? I think, yes, we can. We can actually ask really good questions. Um, so our product, we have two tiers. One is the standard tier. The other tier is more premium tier. Um, for the standard tier, we're seeing 90% of really good questions. For the premium tier, basically, this is where if this objective is very specific, if the topic is very specific, for example, if we're asking doctors about a new device, obviously, AI wouldn't understand. It's a completely new device, new term. So that's not possible for AI to be able to ask the right questions, but the premium tier would allow AI to learn just on the spot, right before the study goes into field, to give that information for the AI to be prepared that these are the kind of th kind of things that uh, people will be talking about. So it's it's really exciting time uh, because um, I I wouldn't say the same thing like half a year ago, but uh, wow. with the boost of generative AI, we're really seeing good results. But there's so many open source models and, and other models that are 
that, that you can adapt. And there's so many tools out there that you can, um, that you can, like you, like you just said, you can, you can, you can get them to, you can fine tune them for your specific application and then bring it, give, give it that knowledge of some, you know, hyper-specific use case scenario that hasn't been developed or might be a new innovation. Because obviously with market research, a lot of what we're doing is testing new products and new product ideas. And we have to explain them to our respondents before we ask them questions about it. And if we want the AI to be doing follow-up questions or to, you know, help us with a report, it helps to give it context and tell it what the, you know, explain to it what the tool is like. And then if you wanted to build, um, specific tools around, you know, getting it to ask follow questions in that way, then, then like you said, you can, you can, you can actually do that. You could either, whether that's fine tune training on the fly or whether that's other, you know, you know, context prompting and, and everything. There's lots of different tools out there. I do want to touch on, cause I want people to sort of walk away from this conversation with a sense of where they need to go next in terms of like, where should I explore how useful AI is to apply? And I feel like We've gotten there from like the positive set of things, you know, definitely consider it for a brainstorming perspective, definitely consider it um, uh, in a couple of other scenarios. But where do we really think that it's just not mature enough yet? Like, is there are there areas that you would say, you know what, it's not even really worth exploring how you could apply AI um, for this specific research need, for instance, I have a good use case scenario for there because we do, like we already talked about idea generation and we've done that. Um, a lot of our ideas that we test for clients are, are written ideas, uh, because, you know, we're, we're generally doing idea screening very early in the innovation process. So before they have concepts built up and paid for agency artwork and all that. And so a lot of them are written ideas and, um, and AI does great. We've, we've been talking a lot about how AI, you know, is is we can use AI for um, for text, but uh, the image image AI and in fact image AI actually is out of really good like there's astonishing amounts of uh, cool stuff you can do and you know one thing I'm doing um, on kind of like a pro bono side uh, on the side is doing is using image work for uh, or using object detection AI to to detect landmines and from wow. drones, which is pretty cool. Um, but, but anyway, so aside, aside from that, so there's really mature AI with images, but, um, but in terms of image generation, a lot of people have probably heard of sta uh, stable diffusion and um, mid journey and OpenAI's Dolly. And, uh, and those are really mature, but, and, and people are creating incredible artwork, but they're really, it's, it's mostly trained on kind of like, um, almost like artistic stuff and not like product-based. And so I've tried, you know, proof of concept work to see how well, you know, can we generate an image? Like, can we take our client's chip bag or pop can or something like that and, and adjust the, you know, give it that correct can and then say, update the tagline below. And the AI for image generation is not, is not there yet at all, like in any way, shape or form for doing, for, for adding, for like Photoshopping text onto an image. So it can create like an amazing landscape with like a, you know, or an astronaut on a horse or something like that um, on the moon, you know, like you can, like it can do incredible sort of like cross functional art artwork, but it can't, it can't take like your, your can of, you know, cola and then put a different, 
uh, tagline on the bottom for it because it just doesn't understand the English language and, and like how we would, um, there's sort of like a disconnect there. And so, or, or even to create that can in the first place, if you give it a specific brand and say, create a new brand for this, it, it won't, it, it doesn't do a great job with that. Mm. Uh, and it's, and it's, and it's because the trading data, you know, it's not trained on that type of data, but as we get more and more mature in that area as a field, and, and when I say we, I mean, you know, the AI community, not, not, um, not necessarily like the market research community, I'm talking more broadly, like tech. And as we get more and more mature with that, we, you know, that'll definitely be there. Like that's probably coming in the next year or so, but, um, but it's not there now. And so image generation for idea generation with images is not there. Uh, it's not mature mm. enough as a, as an, as an area. It's not so much about what are the things that it's, it's not capable of right now. For me, it's about bringing a healthy dose of, just be careful and kick the tires around everything that you're yeah. working with because you know like joel says you know what's the training data what are the sources there's a few questions coming in here about bias you know depending on how things you know models have been trained and built and where are the sources coming from you know it, it, it is getting better actually you know referencing the um, some of the input sources but it's still you need to be very, very careful about taking, you know, factual output at face value, you know. So there's there's all sorts of things that you need to be quite careful around and not see it. You know, I think we have this weird expectation relationship with technology where we see something that is cool and then we instantly expect it to be like mm. way cooler than, you know, beyond. It. And so it's like, totally. well, it, it can't do everything for us. And, um, you know, you still need to see it as actually uh, some things are fairly basic building blocks of your own workflow. They're not substitutes or, you know, magic ones. One, one thing that keeps coming up over and over and over again is this need for critical thinking. Um, and, it's, and it's really easy to get tricked or to trick yourself. Um, if you're using it, say, I wanted to validate an idea. Well, the, you know, the chatbot told me that this is valid. And well, what was your prompt? How did you, what did you give it to get back what you got? And, and it's just, there seems to be so many opportunities to just go completely off the rails, depending on, um, I'm sure a lot of the people uh, listening have, have, have read that New York Times article where uh, the reporter got into this whole romantic escapade right. and to separate from his, his partner by and anyway, there's ways that it can derail, but it can derail at the at the, the basic steps. Like it can, you know, turn this to an active voice and then it just doesn't or it does something slightly different. Um so I think, you know, when it comes to what it can do, it's more about what is the level of literacy required to use it effectively and to use it in a way that's not going to lead you, especially as a market researcher, as a qualitative market researcher. I don't want to put something incorrect in my report and, and how much is my team or how much is any team relying on what is being generated. Um, and so there's just, just to kind of go back, there needs to be a lot of literacy, a lot of training, a lot of critical thinking that goes into interpreting whatever gets spit up. Cause I can see us really going down that, that rabbit hole. And in that sense, it because I think there's a concern I don't know if it's within the research community, but just in general, there's this like doom and gloom of like AI is going to replace, you know, yeah. human jobs like immediately. And I think the point you're making is 
Um, and I'm being hyperbolic, but I think the point you're making is, is a really good one that it's not a replacement for a human who's a researcher. It's a replacement for, um, you know, potentially a tool you were using previously that you no longer need because this gets you a little bit closer to where you want to go. Um, and I think yeah. as a tool, when you're thinking about it that way, it becomes hugely valuable, but it can't do the piece that you're talking about. It can't do that, like critical analysis or critical thinking piece. I don't know if it's going to be able to and do I, that, but I can't I'm, do it right now. I'm thinking about it in the here and now, and I'm thinking about it, um, you know, Eleni on my team was saying to me yesterday, so is it just a really good thesaurus? Um, you know, like am I, she was trying to come up with names for uh, a product we're developing and she threw it in and she's like, am I just, oh, it's generated. I didn't have to use my thesaurus tool. Like, is it just that? And that's where it might be here and now. Um, but I will also turn it back to the experts to, to counter that. I would agree with that. I think uh, I, at least as of today, I would think AI at best is a tool. And then just like any tool at the end, it's not the capabilities of the tool itself is how you use how the tool is built. It's right. the user experience really at the end really makes, makes a difference. So I think like the literacy, like all that is basically part of the user experience. How as a product company, I think nothing nothing else is more important than the user experience so that the experience can make the best use of the tool or capabilities behind it. For example, the same conversational AI capability or the probing capability in the quantitative setting, there's no moderator. So it's just an enhancement of the existing quantitative um, environment. So it's uh, automated probing while for a qualitative uh, use case, there is a moderator. I am a moderator. I don't necessarily trust the bot can ask better questions than I do, but honestly, these days bot can ask good questions. But still, I think then in that use case, the user experience should be we allow the moderator, we give moderators some options, some suggestions, so that it makes their life a little easier. So it's really the user experience that at the mm -hmm. end, makes the tool itself shine. I think what you guys have all sort of touched on in the last, last few minutes is this idea of user adoption and um, or at a, at a high level, like making it easy for people to use AI. Like at the beginning, we're talking about how great as a concept it is. And I think now what I wanted to turn a little bit to is how to make it easy to adopt some of these use cases for AI. Um, like, I guess, Kathy, because you've got conversation, the conversational chatbot in mind, how have you found sort of user adoption of that? Like, is it a quick learning curve? Um, is it quite challenging? Like what? Yeah. Talk to me about what that's looked like for you guys. It goes beyond uh, AI itself with the conversational capabilities. Basically, surveys can become a hybrid. I think the adoption is more about um, to what extent uh, the hybrid approach can be easily integrated into their research process. So that itself uh, to some organizations can be a challenge. I think behind the challenge is um, is people is that uh, I mean, our industry traditionally, we have been trained either as a qualitative researcher or a quantitative researcher. So at this point, we don't really have a lot of researchers who love doing both. Let's put it that way. Um, at least I've come across researchers who like really want to just look at numbers, other research who like their eye just look, uh, will always be on the quotes. So people are kind of trained differently. So for us, I think the technology is quite amazing, but uh, uh, the, the work process is, um, 
it, AI creates new opportunities that the new opportunities need time for people to to uh, to absorb into their workflow. Yeah, I was going to say for you know for the type of applications Kathy's talking about, there's there's kind of like a new language as well. You know, it's a new paradigm. If you've got a conversational survey, is also a massive open discussion group you know so it's like is it is it something that's qualitative and big or is it a survey that's much more flexible or you know so people struggle to put these things in a box and even though they open up new opportunities there's a lot of inertia and you know passive resistance to stuff that is different and new and you have to work with in a different way so Mm. i think you know there are things that are very obvious and easy to use and work with Uh, you know a lot of people i think are playing around at the moment with with some of these applications rather than necessarily embedding them you know in in new ways of working so julian kathy mike like any sort of tips that you have for people i know that's quite tactical but like when it comes to actually leveraging some of these tools and making it easy any sort of tips that you guys have point is if you can kind of give it if you can guide it down the path of what you're looking for, whether the, you know, my general theme is, you know, if you're giving it examples in the forms of flavors that you're looking for, sort of combinations of flavors or, or really, you know, driven at millennials or whatever, then you can, then it starts to follow the trend and then it can kind of uh, generate idea or, or, or answer your prompt along the lines of that you're looking for it to do. Yeah. So specificity is a big part. Um, and I think that was not exactly what you just said, but I think that's what I took at a high level is this idea of like being quite specific and making sure that you're really telling them, you know, with the pattern example in mind, like telling them, telling AI, like what it exactly is you you're looking for. Uh, tips. Yeah. You were saying about tips. I think just tips. to build on, on, uh, on Joel's thing about specificity, I think I find it useful if you iterate, you know, a few times. So you, you know, you keep kind of going, little bit deeper or back and forth and go that's not quite right um i work with uh, notion which is uh, you know just a fantastic tool for uh, documenting everything we do in our business and um it's got the the gpt 3.5 model embedded in it and it's actually got you know try harder or you know rephrase this or keep going and you kind of you know you keep trying and refining and you'll often get to a much better place on the second or third attempt than you do on the first one so yeah don't don't expect the output to be perfect first time actually my personal tip is um even though there is this wonderful ai assistant we have to continue to improve ourselves to learn more to be more knowledgeable of what we do i do believe in that i think once we know what we're looking for there's a better chance that we can find uh, ai can do better for us so i just use a very personal example english is not, not my first language um i always like there there are times i know that i want to say that i don't know exactly how that's yeah sub- but it's not a word. It's not like I use a dictionary. I can find a synonym or something. So way before ChatGPT, I I used a tool. But there were there are a lot of tools uh, like a paraphrasing tools, very smart tools. You just say something vaguely. This is kind of what I want to say, and then you use a tool. Then the tool will give you something else, give you ideas. So that as an example, if you like, at least you know you what vaguely you need to say, you want to say. Then AI can help you do the next. Uh, uh, give you some some options yeah so to me um the best way to use ai is to improve improve ourselves first it can generate a lot of stuff but if you're if you're it can augment um 
And I'd recommend playing with it to see how it augments what it does to your initial idea, to your initial prompt. Um, but ultimately, it boils down to how you interpret it, how you, what you do with what it gives you. Um, and so I would just highly recommend a heavy dose of critical thinking, um, which is kind of what my team and I talk about, and, and just not taking that, that, initial, that initial feedback for, for you know, truth. Um, it, 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 can, it can be a, yeah, just, just critical thinking is, is definitely a good thing. Has there been progress made with unconscious bias in AI? I think the question uh, whether we have seen progress in AI, the question is really have we seen progress in our societies? Um, but I think the answer is yes, we have seen pro progress. And I, uh, even though um, the, uh, we, when we look at data, when we look at how AI cluster things, how AI put a sentiment on certain certain uh, um, comments people have, the biases are just so obvious. Um, there are things that people just say it as a matter of fact, but because of the underlying bias, AI decides it's negative or it's positive, it's everywhere. But I do think at the end of the day, AI is trained by us, by our behavior, just like in the good old days, people say if the kids are not behaving well, it's because of the parents. They're just uh, they're just learning from their parents. So I think it's the exact same situation. The nature of bias and how we define it is very interesting here as well. Mm -hmm. It's not all slanted one way. And there are going to be an explosion of perspectives. And there will be, whether it's a good thing or not, but there will be different models that are trained to be more right-wing or less tolerant of certain views and perspectives, particularly in different, you know, different political and regulatory environments. So it's not a simple question at all, but um, yeah. He's asking, what are the most impressive tools that researchers can license to get the texture of qual with the scale of what I'm assuming he means is quant? Any other tools that you guys can think of? Uh, well, I mean, I, I can think of one excellent one that's represented by one of our panelists. <laughs> I mean, you know... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you really should check out Inker if he's um, uh, if he's talking about rematch. I mean, you know, there are there are a few different tools like that. I mean, there's um, uh, you know the uh, Chris the Delvinia chatbot. There's a chemical group solver as well. So there's a few others in this space. But you know, they really should be should be taking a look at, uh, at Inker. I mean, I think there are um, you know one of the things that AI is is doing more broadly is being able to you know bring a quantifying lens on unstructured data so you know in the broadest sense whether that's lots of you know free text comments from surveys or open posts on the internet or you know reviews or even images or videos you know being able to codify that to bring a layer of structured analysis to things that were previously you know unstructurable and i think there's you know there's far more tools in in that sense but if you're looking for something that's analogous to you know well, better than uh, than Remesh, then uh, you know, no further than inca one of the ways one of the tools we've been using is canvas ai which does that sentiment analysis um of kind of larger scale quant um so that's that that's definitely a great tool that we've been able to to leverage any so we have a question from molly about just favorite ai tools in general so she says you know, you mentioned Jasper and Anthropic, but are there any others? Anything that springs to mind from the group? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a there's a huge number of tools that you can use that are more general purpose. So, you know, like Jasper, like copy.ai, you know, there, there are so many of these, you know, text generation, you know, a lot of them aimed at, at simplifying the blog creation process or, or content creation. 
I think there's general purpose stuff. There's a lot of tools that are being built specific for research applications now as well. So, you know, using some of the, you know, the underlying language models, tools of, of GPT to summarize qualitative data. So, you know, you feed in, you upload your transcripts from, uh, you know, interviews and surveys, you get good coherent summaries from the back end. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's appropriate to kind of name names here or not, but there's, you know, on um, we're actually running a session next week, a workshop on insight platforms with a with a company called Qualzy, which has, you know, a number of tools for a kind of qualitative, um, you know, AI analysis. There's a lot of others that have background in text analytics. Like you say, you know, the Canvas AI is a good tool. There's a, a company in New Zealand called Yabble that has a summarized feature. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot actually that uh, you know sort of too many really to uh, to kind of reference here. But I would say we're hosting another event on Insight Platforms at the end of April, uh, and we'll be showcasing some you know just giving short um, uh, you know introductions to a whole load of new generative AI tools. So keep your eye out for that if you're interested in learning more. This is a really tactical question, Julian. Have you tried putting qual transcript? transcript data from interviews or focus groups into an AI platform? We did actually. We even did that a few months ago with Joel's team. We wanted to see how close their analysis came to ours. Um, and I don't remember what the, the percentage level of closeness was, but it was very, very close. Um, okay. We chopped some, this was actually from online boards, not even focus groups. So there's whole, whole different, um, different types, different pieces of data. And um, Joel, I don't know if you want to speak to the, the process of, of how that was done, but, but I was like, uh, that was another aha moment for our team where we need to be kind of doing that a bit more frequently. Um, there were still some gaps, um, but it, it was very, very close. Just disturbingly close. Because <laughs> we've talked to, and we've talked a bit about. I wanted to touch on something earlier, actually, but didn't really have the great the right opportunity. But we talked a bit about how AI can be just egregiously wrong. You know, you can ask it. You know, what is the fifth word in the second chapter of To Kill a Mockingbird? And it'll tell you. It'll give you an answer, but it's not going to know. It's not going to be the right answer. And so, if you ask it fact based stuff like like hard very hard trivia fact-based questions it'll get it wrong and be egregiously wrong but if you give it stuff that you're like if you give it a transcript and then ask it to summarize the transcript it's not going to get it egregiously wrong because you just gave it to it and it and it has that context um fresh and so you know th there's areas that you can reliably trust uh ai uh although you know we did discuss how you have to be ca cautious with you know general fact-based stuff that it might not know because it might not be in its training set or maybe not appropriately in its training set. But if you give it the data yourself, then it, it definitely has that information. And and I would argue is about as good as um, a lot of humans at, at at summarizing. Now, it's not as going to be as good as a domain expert and someone who's who knows the area that they're doing, but certainly an average human. Like, you know, you can kind of think of it often, a lot of AIs as kind of like the average human off the street, right? So they're not going to be as good as an industry professional or as a domain expert if they're, you know, let's say you're doing something in, in a, you know, the dental industry and now you have, you know, people who have looked at that area, you know, it's not going to be as good as that, but it'll be, it'll still be very good. Joel, Julian, Kathy, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Um, this has been so interesting and I'm sure really helpful for everyone joining. So yes, uh, thank you everyone and we'll see you soon. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights, and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.